Hi, welcome to episode 31 of Talk About the Passion. I'm your host, well, not today, uh, Christian Campagna. This episode is a special episode. It is the year, the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So my friend Angie thought we could do an episode where she asks me questions. And uh, here we are. The idea of uh, talking about myself for an hour or so seemed obnoxious and narcissistic to me until I realized I have uh, people come on here and make them do the exact same thing. Plus, I'll, I'll take any opportunity I can get to brag that I once met Sticks. Uh, the title of this episode, The Restless Dreams of Youth, comes from the lyrics to a Rush song called Subdivisions. The, the whole line is, uh, any escape might help to smooth the unattractive truth, but the suburbs have no charms to soothe the restless dreams of youth. Which pretty much uh, sums up where I was at, uh, you know, 13 or 14 years old, uh, living in the suburbs and going into the city to, you know, buy records and go to shows and that kind of thing. Uh, there's two notes I wanted to make uh, about this episode after uh, listening to it a couple times. Uh, one is one part, Angie refers to uh, Nahant uh, when my family moved back there as the Malibu of the North Shore. And, you know, it might be like that now, but uh, in the 80s, we, we certainly were not uh, living remotely close to large, so I don't want anyone to think I was some uh, spoiled rich kid or something like that. Uh, the other note is I mentioned my dad brought the Sex Pistols home, and uh, he didn't bring the actual Sex Pistols home. It was the uh, Nevermind the Bullocks record. And I think that was probably the first time I heard fuck on a record as far as I can remember. And uh, that, you know, became a, a, a favorite word of mine on records uh, throughout my uh, whole life. Still. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much more before we start this, uh, as it's a long conversation, but we do want to say thanks first to every guest I've had on. Uh, you know, the ones who were cool enough to invite me into their homes, uh, or, you know, come all the way out to mine here and uh, hang out. Uh, so Some of the guests are old, close friends of mine. Uh, some were people I had never met, and uh, but I consider all these people good friends now, and... Uh, all of their stories and contributions uh, to this podcast to the reason I do it. And uh, so thanks to all of you. Uh, secondly, thanks to you. If you're a return listener or someone who has you know, told me they enjoyed listening, it makes it even more worth doing to hear that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, uh, you don't want to miss, uh, before I start here, you don't want to miss uh, next week's episode number 32. It's... Uh, the first different format episode I've done, well, aside from this one, and the first one I've done with two guests at once. Uh, I just recorded it uh, today, and it sounds great. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm pretty psyched about that one. And then tomorrow I have a, a guest coming out here uh, to my house. It's a uh, Boston musician, uh, and that's, that should be pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, stuff is certainly happening around here on this podcast. So, uh I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram are updated the most. I have Twitter, but it's basically just to announce new episodes. I don't really use that that much. Uh, I try to put relevant content up on Instagram related to podcasting. Uh, sometimes there's clues to upcoming episodes and that kind of thing. Uh, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm even on Spotify now, if that's your type of thing. And hey, if you listen on Apple Podcasts and like what you hear, 
uh, or if you don't like what you hear, leave me a rating or a review. Uh, I love to hear feedback. And uh, also, I'm always looking for new guests. So if you or someone you know wants to be on an episode, please reach out on one of those outlets and we can set it up. Anyway, here is episode 31, Talk About the Passion. Thanks for listening. We're back in the closet, Christian. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Should I introduce myself? Sure. I mean, you know, uh, I'm Angie C., and uh, I'm an on-air radio personality, and I've known Christian since we were babies. Yeah. Uh, since you're in Black Barbie, but yeah. we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and uh, I was on the legendary, no longer uh, operating WFNX in the '90s, uh, Salem State College in the late '80s and early '90s, and then I'm on uh, WZLX now. So. We did a podcast together. We did right here in this closet. Um, in this very closet. So we're in my closet. <laughs> we're in a townhouse in Marblehead, and the closet is the most soundproof room in the house. Yeah. And uh, I've actually helped other people with podcasts, and that's what I always say. Like, if you don't have a studio, get yeah. into a closet and talk yeah. into the clothes, and yeah. that's as soundproof as you get. So this is where we are, hmm. in an undisclosed location. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on your podcast today. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm very excited. We talked about this when you interviewed me last year. Yes, yeah. I said, you know, I want to interview you. Yeah. I thought it would be, I, I don't know who came up with the idea originally. Yeah. It was probably you. I think it was you. Um, the anniversary of uh, doing, you know, we talked about doing a best of. Right. Um, but then also that you should be interviewed because one of the things I really admire about this podcast is... Um, that it's an archive. It's it's a little piece of history, right. um, and the music that we came up with, especially in this area, although it's not always about right. growing up on the North Shore in Boston specifically, um, but that you're you're archiving very important moments that we're gonna not have or not remember yeah, in yeah. in just one generation. Yeah. So uh, I thought the idea of talking to you and how you got to this point and mm -hmm. where you came from is just as important as everybody else's origin sure. story. So cool. So let's start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born, uh, well, I was born in Boston, but uh, we we lived in Nahant, Mass., which uh, people don't know. It's a small little uh, peninsula off of uh, Lynn, Mass., which is on the North Shore. It's a fishing town. and uh, It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so my, my family lived on a, a road called Spring Road. And that road still to this day has uh, a number of my cousins on it. And uh, there's a, a gas station there that's owned by my uncle, Enzo, oh, wow. Enzo Barrell. I love that. Yeah. And, and Enzo Barrell's first cousin is Al Barrell from SSD, who's a distant cousin of mine. But so. also like a pivotal person in your life, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, so my, my dad worked in uh, for A&M Records as a, a marketing guy. In Boston, which, and by the way, not everybody's parents <laughs> <laughs> were in the music business. Yeah, that must yeah. have been a pretty big deal for you. I mean, yeah. it really did shape everything about you in, in so, yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I think uh, Frampton Comes Alive was breaking, and Super Tramp, uh, Crime of the Century, probably mm -hmm. around the same time. And A and M was one of the first labels that 
built artists. They weren't like a single right because label. they were they were started by artists, right? Yeah. It was Herb Albert and yeah. um, Jerry Moss. Jerry Moss. So they would have you know, Sticks had five albums before they had a hit, um, and they would do that. And they don't really do that now. No, there's no. They don't have that kind of investment time yeah. or money anymore. Yeah. yeah. So so my dad's, uh, you know, his job got better apparently. So they moved us to Los Angeles in 1976 and uh my first concert was here which was uh cats it was either cat stevens or super tramp i can't remember either you don't remember which <laughs> cat <laughs> stevens it's... kind of a big deal super <laughs> tramp not yeah, a, not no, as no. big of a deal <laughs> so so we were out in los angeles in 1976 which for me i was six or yeah. seven years old and being sort of at the start of uh disco and all that stuff oh was, yeah was kind of uh and then just sort of being thrown into you know getting to meet like uh we met sticks when i was uh seven years old and that's you know, so I awesome think, i think tommy shaw was like two inches taller than me he was like, <laughs> i was like hey you're the same fucking night as me uh but so early on you know records were around our house a lot so, so it, was, it was normal for you to yeah, be yeah, around a, rock stars, yeah. to have music always playing in the house and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't have that like and I kinda wish I did people a lot of times remember like the first album or cassette they bought. I don't I don't remember really. But because we just had Well, but, they were always in the house, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But some of the ones I remember like and I think the covers were more uh like just stood out to me was like the the Beatles. Uh they had the blue and the red compilations. Uh-huh. Like the best of and then the uh, Beach Boys' Endless Summer, which I just bought a copy of recently, which is another compilation. But those were, like, three of the ones I remember, like, as, like, a child. Right. And, and Almost the, in the same way you remember the first um, books you read, like, nursery books or yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Like, they imprint on your brain yeah. in a way that even just looking at them gives you a sense of comfort. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 yeah and then uh, the other one was Elton John. Captain Fantastic. Oh. And it was more the covers of those were more enticing to me as a kid. Yeah. Well, I think that's what attracts us first as kids looking at our parents' album collection or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you're drawn to, like, I was drawn to that Wings double record. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because there's a picture of Paul McCartney holding, I think it's Stella. Yeah, in his yeah. oh, in his yeah, coat yeah. or whatever, yeah. and I remember being so drawn to that specific moment of yeah. a father and a child, yeah. and yeah. and being attracted to that, and having no idea what was on yeah. the, the vinyl at all. Right, right, but yeah. yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. And then I th- I'm, I imagine my brother got Kiss uh, Destroyer, and that album cover, you know, is the one where it's like them coming well, over it's the mountain. The most iconic thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So as a kid, being into you know monster movies and that kind of thing oh yeah starting to get into that stuff that album naturally just i mean it is the most genius marketing plan and i don't know how much of it was intentional or not but our particular generation discovering kiss in you know and and the makeup and the the theatrics of all of it was such a great introduction into some harder rock and roll yeah yeah uh, in every way you might as well have been giving us free candy too like it was just you know it was unavoidable how could you not it was like don't touch that it's hot but it looks so good (laughs) you know and so do you remember the first a piece of music, whether it was a, ta- a cassette or vinyl, that you went and purchased yourself, I know, like that I, you had to go get. Like, if I move way forward into like the eighties, uh, I remember like the first punk records and that kind of stuff I bought. Uh, 
So before that, really, you didn't, it was just all coming to yeah, you. Yeah, okay. My, my dad had, because of uh, A&M Records, we had, uh, he had an account at Tower Records and Sunset Strip. Oh my God. So, you had the greatest job. So we, so we would go there. And I told this story before, and then my brother corrected me and said it actually happened to him. But so my, my dad would allot us. We would go there on like Sundays, and he would say, you can each get two records or three or whatever. And I remember my brother got, uh, one of his friends played us. This is Ap- Frank Zappa record. Oh, called, God. Uh, Live in New York. Mm-hmm. And it has this song called Titties and Beer. Right? <laughs> Which has that. Done. Yeah. <laughs> has, uh, Sign me up. <laughs> Terry, ter- uh, the drummer, Bozio, sings. He plays the devil. Oh, song. okay. But anyway, I remember when we got home, my dad was like, you know, why, Jeff, why did you, why would you want to, fr-? like, he, I was gonna, he was going to test my brother, like, because he was like, why would you buy a Frank Zappa album? Because it's like little 10-year-old kids. Right. The exact opposite yeah. of Kiss and being <laughs> yeah. enticing was Frank yeah. Zappa at that time. Yeah. yeah. And I think Jeff, my brother uh, Jeff was scared to say titties and beer in front of my dad. <laughs> so he just didn't, you know, That's wouldn't so say. That's so funny. But, uh, but that was a, a favorite record of mine around the house. And, and they were pretty liberal with that kind of stuff. Because the, 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 the first records... Along with like Kiss and Sticks and that kind of stuff that that I really levitated towards was comedy records, uh, George Carlin, yeah. Cheech and Chong, which isn't really appropriate for an eight year old. No, but, not at all. Uh, the Monty Python records. Uh, Martin Mull did comedy albums, and then comedy course, albums were a big deal, but that then because unless you were out at a club, yeah, yeah, there was no way to get yeah. that sort of raw yeah. uh, comedic material because it certainly wasn't yeah. on television. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then Steve Martin was the first. That was that was my, huge. He was my first sort of like idol. Yeah. Like as a kid, and yeah. uh, my dad took us to see him do stand up at Oh my uh, God Universal Amphitheater, which is where he recorded uh, the the third out al- the second album, uh, Wild and Crazy Guy. Yeah. And the openers for that was uh, this group, the Blues Brothers. With, uh, <laughs> You're kidding me? John Blue, you know, Jesus and that, they were Christian. also one. Of, so that was like one of my favorites as a kid. The blues. Yeah. So that's like, you know, they mixed. It was cool to see comedians playing actual music and. Oh you know. yeah, absolutely. And that stuff has aged pretty well, I thought. Like I never thought like Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi singing would would age, um, but we, it's, yeah, uh, we still play it in classic rock radio all the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, what about your mom? Tell me about your mom. Was there any musical? Did she? What kind of music did she listen to? Did she have any kind of imprint on you? Uh, not musically, but she 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 did love music. I, I posted that video a while ago on social media. When you're in the car talking, yeah, what I, were you playing for her? Well, I was play, I was just playing that the band Wargasm in the background. Oh, right. I just hap- <laughs> we just happened to be in the CD in my car. I had Such taken a great her band name. shopping, and uh, yeah, Bob was on episode twenty nine. Um, and I had, had her name the, the members of Kiss, and she got all three of them. She didn't get uh, uh, Peter Chris. I don't think she, I, she didn't but get I, Peter Chris. No, he no. was the most female friendly <laughs> of the entire <laughs> band. The cat. <laughs> um, but she she loved. And he wrote uh, Beth. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> she Sorry. loved. Uh, what do you call it? Um, Teddy Pendergrass. Oh. The stylistics. Nice. That's the OJs. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So they, oh, they mom to, was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gino Vanelli. I don't. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But the, those weren't typical things for a woman of her age to be listening to, no, I don't think. No. Or her background either. No. So. And I remember sort of later on, 
you know, like New Wave and stuff started showing up in our house. Like my dad would take records home. The first one I kind of remember him taking home and like just like sitting down with me and showing it to me that I have like a, a crystal memory of is uh, Cheap Trick live at Budokan. Really? And him saying he played Ain't That a Shame. And I didn't I didn't really get the concept of bands covering other bands. So I thought it was their song. Right. Know, for years. And uh but just who that originally did that song? Is that it's not a Buddy Holly song, is it? Uh, I think it's Fats Domino. Oh, okay. Um so he played that and he I think he bought that record because they were playing with uh, Kiss who we were gonna go see and uh a few weeks what later. Was this like 77, 78? Like yeah. that's right around there, right? Yeah. It was the Love Gun Tour, August uh-huh. of 77, I think. Wow. At the forum. Um, I can tell you what I wasn't doing in 77, <laughs> any of that cool shit. And, that, and, that's the, <laughs> and that's the show I remember. So Gene Simmons uh, in, in, in that era had, you know, they all had a little, that's where they had all the fire on stage. And, but to the right of him was this snake statue. It was taller than him. It was probably eight feet tall, and on the top of it was a like a a, a pot, like a cauldron. Oh, okay. Smoking. And I remember, in bet- we didn't even see Cheap Trick, of course. Like it was one of those we got there late and didn't yeah. see them. Um, That's okay. You had plenty of opportunities <laughs> to see them later in your life. Yeah, we, we saw them <laughs> later on. But uh, so I remember saying to my dad, "What is the the smell in here?" Uh, and he said, "Oh, it's pot." And in my seven or eight year old yeah. brain. I thought he meant the smoke coming out the of the cauldron. Gene Simmons. Right, of course. Oh, Why wouldn't you? Oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> so, so that must when be. When did you figure that whole thing uh, out when somebody <laughs> asked you to smoke some pot and you're like, is yeah. Gene Simmons going to be here? <laughs> know, right? yeah. yeah, when I was 12 years old, I smoked pot. And I'm like, this is, oh yeah, this is that Gene Simmons stuff. Uh, he invented but, it, right? But my mother, you know, so my, my parents ended up uh, splitting up and we, you know, came back to Massachusetts in I think 1980 so at that point um so that's a radical shift for you yeah yeah. I mean in every uh, obviously being a child of divorce back then when it was not as common as it is today yeah huge and then going from the west coast back to the east coast huge and then probably going from a life of uh being surrounded in the music business to not yeah so those are three major things that's really gonna mess with you and the the other thing that that and you know People always ask, well, not all, like, yeah, people have stopped me on the street. But <laughs> Hey, Christian. <laughs> some people have asked why I'm a Dodgers fan. And so my dad's a, a lifelong Red Sox fan because he grew up here in East Boston. And so my first, I, maybe he took me to Fenway Park when I was five, or, but I don't remember. My first, sure. A&M had seats behind the dugout, behind third base uh, in the 70s. So all my first games were Dodgers games. Well, sure. I mean, so it's your first love yeah. in a way, right? Yeah. yeah. So I've always, you know, I still love the Red Sox, and but the Dodgers are sort of my team and always, always kind of have been. So. Los Doyers. Los Doyers. Um, and, uh, you know, out of any other team besides the Sox, I think I have an affinity for them as well. Yeah. I mean, the Cubbies a little bit just because yeah. of the history, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's another thing that you and I have in common is we absolutely are in love and have two hometowns. Yeah, we yeah. have Boston and yeah, we have L.A. Yeah. And um, we, we've both lived on, on both sides. I think we both probably prefer to be on the West Coast, yeah. like uh, just for our sanity's sake. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, weather, and the weather, obviously. But, um, you know, the people that we love are here. And so yeah. here we are yeah. for now yeah, anyway, exactly. but not forever. So 
at some point we'll I'll be back in LA where it's yeah. nice and sunny all yeah. the time. And earthquakes are not that big of a deal <laughs> most of the time. The other thing that that happened sort of right before we moved was you know, uh, Cheech and Chong was on A&M Records and uh they would hold these Halloween parties every year. Okay. And they held one at uh this was it must have been 1979 cuz it was right before we moved back to Boston. And they had a, a a thing at the Roxy on Sunset Strip. And a, years later, my mother said, you know, I don't remember even seeing them there. It was one of those, like, you know, an artist host a thing, but they might not even. It's like Cheech and Chong's Halloween party. Sure. But my mother said years later that you were chumming around with Tommy Chong's daughter. Ray Don <laughs> Chong? Which I imagined, because she's the same age as me. Oh, my I, God. I don't, you know, I don't, and... and so that was like my one brush was with a famous kid, and, it's and pretty also, good. And also, in uh, when we first moved to California, we lived in Encino, which you probably know where that oh, is, yeah. in the valley. That's where like Michael Jackson lived. Yep. But my best, one of my best friends in in that school was uh, Christian Conway, who was Tim Conway's uh, son. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so that, was like, that was like for like a summer. Like, yeah. You know, it's not like I could but look him the, up on yeah. Facebook or something. But I remember we would go, we'd go to his house, and at the time, Tim Comey was like famous for wearing Carol Burnett show and, and all that, yeah. right? I mean, that was a big deal. He yeah. was huge. Yeah, so that was fun. But so around that time too, that's sort of when like new way like A and M started signing. Like you know, the police were on there. Yeah, I remember my mother telling because my dad brought home. Uh, they signed the Dickies. Oh my had, God! Yeah, the first like two records. I remember my mother. My mother saw the Dickies, which is just kind of <laughs> That's funny. So random and funny. So when we when we came back to Massachusetts, uh, if there was concerts here, uh, you know, when we were like ten or eleven, my mother would, my dad could get tickets. So. Oh, okay. So it so wasn't was it was few. a complete loss of of sort of that the music. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he would get tickets, and my mother would take us. So we we ended up seeing Cheap Trick with uh, Rick on the. Uh, Dream Police Tour with nice. uh, Rick Derringer at the, at the Boston. Wow! Road. So that was probably eighty, eighty-one, and that's that's one of my favorite records by them. I yeah. know it's like not cool to say the I first don't know. or second you album, know, but, but like we're a, <laughs> we have a lot of those in common too. Yeah. You know, but that's that's my that's been my and I think and I've I've talked to this with people before about sort of like the eras of music that will always stay with you, and that sort of era for me, like nineteen eighty to eighty-two. I have like I make playlists of sort of the, that music that I was listening to in that era, which sure. was like um, the, the Cheap Trick, the Clash, Pat Benatar, the B52s. Like so, that stuff started kind of creeping in a little with like the Led Zeppelin and Foghat that my brother and I. Which is funny to think my brother listened to that stuff because he. Like, I remember he had like every Fog Hat album. Like, I don't think he. It's pretty funny considering he's the guy that helped us out in uh, the '90s to a Cure A to Z on right, F and right. X, and yeah. he knew every single recording of the Cure ever. And yeah, yeah. Fog Hat, you say? Yeah, All yeah. right, file that one away. <laughs> um, it's also interesting to note to uh, people that are a lot younger than us that all this shit was happening at the same time. Yeah, you know, like yeah. uh, it's it. It trips me out sometimes to think of the fact that the Stooges and Iggy Pop are playing at the same time as the Doors. I know, right? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just, it, it's kind of like 
well, things happened in medieval times and things were happening at the same time as those times, but they right. were completely different and it just blows your mind. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that you, you know, you can throw Pat Benatar and Zeppelin in the same sentence yeah. and yeah, it makes yeah. sense because yeah. it was all happening at that time. It was yeah. all just different. What what would be considered top 40 versus, yeah. you know, alternative, um, alternative before there was alternative. Yeah. 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 A new wave. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and I remember, my, I think my dad brought the Sex Pistols home at one point too and, and it was more because I think they were going to be on A&M and they you know famously didn't sign with A&M yeah they were they went with EMI or something uh, or? Uh, Warner Brothers okay well, there's yeah. the mention in the yeah. song. Yeah, the EMI, song so. yeah. yeah, I don't remember who's on what label the way you yeah. do. You're really good at that. <laughs> I just, that all kind of falls by the wayside for me. So you you leave the West Coast. There's still a little bit of the music business looming large because yeah. of your dad's connections. But what is it like going to school for you and being around kids that are, you know, very different than the kids that you yeah, were was, hanging out with in <laughs> California, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it was weird because we because skateboarding was was big in California, and it hadn't really hit here yet. And I remember we had like the big wooden skateboards mm-hmm. that are like became famous in the '80s, and and I remember I had one of those, <laughs> and I remember in Nahant, I was right driving down the street on my when we moved, we came back to Nahant. Uh, I was going down the street on my skateboard and like the circle of. Uh, kids surrounded me like punk like older kids really i had a van halen shirt on at the time just at the van halen logo i was probably 11 i guess nice and one of the kids was like leave this kid alone he's got a van halen shirt on. he's got good taste in music <laughs> <laughs> but i will always remember that that the time van halen saved me from getting well ready. you know that's yeah i mean i wouldn't fuck with a kid with a van halen shirt on either <laughs> like no he gets a pass yeah, he's gonna bang my mom probably <laughs> loves van halen so he's into but i would imagine so you know even though and it's interesting you move from la to nahant yeah. which is sort of like the la of the north shore <laughs> or the malibu of the north shore in a way like yeah. it is uh because it is a beach community and it is even though it's next door to lynn yeah it's about an entire planet yeah. away from that yeah, and and you know kids actually surfed in nahant yeah. and uh in marblehead and swampscott yeah. as well like there was sort of that counterculture already yeah. happening in that area so yeah, that's yeah. interesting yeah um, if it was a smoother transition for you to yeah. then say, had you moved to Lynn? Right, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah, I think we, we became sort of, uh, yeah, when we came back here, because we, we didn't go to school in, in the hunt, they sent you to Swampscott. Right. Because they didn't have, um. They didn't have junior high here, but yeah. I, I went back to, uh, elementary school here. I think maybe one, one or two more years I, I went in the hunt, but I don't really remember those years as much, like. Music wise, I just I remember um, my mother letting us. She said, "No, that was later on to go to our the first show that she let us go to, like without her, was Ozzy at uh, the Garden. Nice. It was like 1982, April 2nd. Oh my God! With a UFO. <laughs> and she lets you go, so you're like third, not even I thirteen, tw- I right? You're I would have been twelve. Yeah. So my brother took a. I think we probably took the train from yeah. Swampscott or Lynn, and. Uh, that's a badass that. show yeah. to be the first show you go to by yourself. <laughs> That's not bad. It was scary. I bet. Yeah, because because that, that that was around the time when and there's a, and you can search for it. There's a, a WBZ or one of the Boston stations was like you know when they do like news stories yep. as an artist because around that time was when there was rumors he was like throwing puppies in the audience and like. 
and biting <laughs> off the yeah, yeah, heads of, of bats and so whatnot. Was, uh, but yeah, so we we came back to Nahant and uh, lived like a more normal life. And uh, we would still, my brother and I would visit my dad once a year, go out there and get that taste of, you know, Los Angeles. The old life, and, yeah, 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 absolutely. At what point and, do you start playing music? Does that happen later? Or is that yeah, yeah, that okay. was later. Yeah, when, when we moved to Swampscott, I was kind of like started to become like a like a hard rock metal kid. Yeah, tell me about that transition because we were discussing that earlier. Yeah, um, I never, you know, a lot of people I love and respect their music tastes. Um, yeah. You know, had that step from uh, you know punk rock new wave alternative hardcore and then they go to metal yeah and then which eases you right into grunge and and what have you and then you're off to the races but for me i just never got into yeah. metal the way most of my friends did i i stayed in hardcore land yeah and then it went right to grunge yeah. like i yeah. just sort of missed that step so i'm curious as to how you i mean granted you were already right. listening to van halen and ozzy right. and sabbath and that sort yeah. of thing but then you get to these like um, and I'm not necessarily speaking to the hair band, <laughs> you know, the eighties metal, although there certainly was yeah. a touch of that, but you have a whole other life yeah. in metal, um, with the bands that like, you can barely read the title because it looks <laughs> like graffiti. I don't know right. what you call that, but like, and I love the sonically, I love the music of all mm. that stuff, but then yeah. they start singing and I'm out, You're out yeah. like it, bah, 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 <laughs> and I'm just like, yep, not for me. Which yeah. is why, you know, I can still go to a band like the Deftones and always love oh, yeah. everything that they do because, yeah. you know, Chino and his voice and, oh, yeah. and there's a melody there that's respected and <clears throat> no matter what you're doing on the guitar and everything yeah. else, like there is that sort of um, <clears throat> string. But so tell me a little bit about how you go from, you know, sort of Cheap Trick and Kiss mm, yeah. um, into the harder stuff. And then, of course, we have to talk about the Grateful Dead thing, too, yeah. because that's such a weird <laughs> speed bump in yeah. your... I, I was like, what? You like the dead? Like, how does that happen? But then it makes sense if you go back to the Pat Benatar and yeah, Led yeah. Zeppelin reference yeah, we made earlier. It's just that you, yeah. you know, because you were so appreciative and, and you were brought into the music scene by somebody at a label, yeah. which means all different genres of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting that you can bounce around like that. Yeah. Um, I think the metal to hardcore was um, and, and punk because I was already kind of into the clash and that kind of stuff. Um, the B-52s or whatever. And uh, Devo was was big. And then when I moved to Swampscott, you know, I would I was a skateboarder. And you know, we went to the Aussie concert. And I had an Aussie shirt on. And I used to skateboard around the, um, was a, the train station in Swampscott. Uh-huh. And I would see these, like, long-haired kids, which in Swampscott, or probably most towns, they would call those kids burnouts. Yeah. The burnouts, mm-hmm. the jocks. And then, like, the drama kids and nerds and that kind of stuff, which we were kind of... But the jocks were like, like the Judge Kavanaugh guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I think we guys. I think we called them stoners to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, but it was like we had a courtyard in Salem High. Yeah. Where you could go out and smoke. Yeah, we in had the that courtyard. At, I know, we had that at <laughs> which is so crazy to think, to think of now. Them, you know? But I can remember the jocks were not. If you were on one of the teams, the yeah. football, whatever. Yeah, you if you smoke. were caught. Yeah. out there yeah you couldn't even be you out couldn't there. even be out there yeah. let alone smoke like it was such a vilified thing Isn't that weird yeah we had that that's what you could smoke yeah and they <laughs> would get stoned too out yeah. there and you think now you're like god i should have been out there like I what know, the right? fuck was i thinking yeah. but um yeah i didn't realize that swamp scott high had that as yeah, well yeah yeah um 
so I, I befriended these kids. It was this kid, Joe Feldman, who, was, who turned out to be some sort of a criminal. A lot of these guys turned out to be criminals. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple of them. Uh, and then this this guy, Matt Spencer, who I'm still a good friend. Well, not good friends with, but he, he lives in the, the Virgin Islands now. Uh-huh. And uh, But they were hanging around there. And I sort of became friends with them. And uh, they were all metal guys and into like but then they were also into rush which was that was probably the next after kiss rush happened yeah that was sort of like the next band i sort of connected with and rush is something that you kind of can't get into until you're a little bit older yeah i think and a little nerdier because it's it's like it's like jazz yeah you know what i mean like as far as rock and roll and and metal goes like rush the prog rock thing was just an upper level yeah like you kind of had to know your shit to be into that yeah 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 but the but Rush at that time had released their album Signals, which was the uh, the first one when they were sort of listening to the police and the talking heads and that kind of stuff, and they added synthesizers. But there was a song in there called Subdivisions that even the, the video for it is like kids in the high school, so it's very much about just growing up, like alienated in the suburbs. Sure. So that, that song really connected to me. And uh, so I just kind of dove headlong into Rush, and that was sort of... All those kids were like Rush and oh, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, so we just right. headed down that. Yeah. And of course, marijuana was a big part of this, which when I think back... The marijuana back then, <laughs> man. It might was, as well have been tea leaves. Yeah, I know. Comparatively. So, yeah. So I was, you know, when I think back now, I'm like, I was smoking pot at like 12, 13. <laughs> I had a kid now, Oops. and they were. I would be like, Jesus Christ. Um, so... One of these kids said, uh, you know, we couldn't find weed. And they said, there's this kid at high school. And I used to see him around. And he was on the very first episode of this podcast, uh, Peter Biebergall, who's still a dear friend of mine. He was he would sell pot. And uh, so I hooked up with him. And he was into hardcore music. And I went over to his house one day, and he had uh, just all these records, the, the Misfits, uh, Earth A.D., this compilation called Not So Quiet on the Western Front, which yep. is like a wet maximum rock and roll put out. So these are all things that you had had no... I had no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. No exposure to. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a whole other... Because I knew, you know, punk rock, but hardcore, I didn't really... The only exposure I had was, uh, at one point, my aunt, Grace Burrill, this is my great aunt, gave me this record, this SSD Control. The kids she, will have their say. Your great aunt gave you yeah, the SSD yeah. record. And she said, "This is your your, <laughs> your cousin Alan plays on this. This is his band." Oh, right, right, right. Looking at it and going, well, "This is like a stupid look. Like, what is like? How can you look like, at that album and say it's stupid, <laughs> Christian? My I know, God! I know I have it tattooed on my leg. Um, <laughs> well, but, by uh, the time I was introduced to it, it was something to be revered. So it was yeah. a totally different situation yeah. for me. Yeah. And I sold. Well, I didn't sell that copy, but I did sell a copy of that for. Six hundred and eighty-seven dollars a couple of years ago. <laughs> wow, that's um, crazy. But so I remember just dismissing that. I don't even think I took the record home. I was like, I don't. What it, like? What is this? It's so, not Rush. Yeah, I'm there's out. no yeah. skulls on it or anything. I don't <laughs> care about that. So then when I met Peter Biebergall and told him because he was like, oh, this, he, I think he, I don't think he had one of those, but he had these. And I said, I think my cousin is in one of these bands. And I told him, he said. Al's nickname was Lethal, Lethal. Oh. He said, Lethal's, that's your cousin? And I was like, yeah, I mean, he's not like someone I see at Christmas, but he's, you know, it's my great aunt, Grace Burrill, her uh, 
husband, Carmen. So my, my great uncle, Carmen, his brother, Aldo, that's Al's dad. Okay. Or whatever that is, second cousin. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Pete and I just became best friends. And I would, we just, I would come to his house every day after school. We'd smoke pot, listen to hardcore records. And then we would listen to also uh, the first Violent Femmes album. Well, and the Buzzcocks yeah. and stuff like that. So at that point in my life, I thought, you know, you can't, I can't let people know I'm into heavy metal too. Because at that point it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, no, there either, was a great divide, yeah. Yeah, you were either one or the other. So I, which, you know, most, if you were like a tough guy, you were like, I don't care if someone knows I like both Yeah, of but most kids <clears throat> at that yeah, age care what other people think. So, yeah, I yeah. wasn't that guy. So also around this time at, at junior high, Swampsco Junior High, this woman comes in, this old lady, Mrs. Quint, and she's going to be a substitute teacher. And on the on her desk, she has these Xeroxed booklets, say suburban punk on them. And she's like, you know, she's going to be our substitute. And she said, oh, my, I thought I'd bring these in if your kids want to look at them. My son does this magazine. Oh, and my so, God. This is Al Quint. <laughs> you know, she's, so, you know, Peter was friends with him. So I became friends with, you know, Al through that, and Al ended up taking me to my first punk show at the, the channel in Boston, which was this band, Channel 3, uh-huh. and then Kraut, who, uh, neither, neither of those bands were like household names. Channel 3 was kind of, but Kraut, one of them went on to, to form the Cro-Mags. Oh, uh, wow. And is that your first time at the Dice? Uh, at the channel, yeah. Oh, sorry, at yeah. the channel. So I was like 13, and I was just like, this is Well, the channel amazing. was a trip. Yeah. You know, and and the boxing ring and the yeah. um <clears throat> there was something about that place that was yeah. so special. Yeah. And um and I you know, obviously I saw a lot of hardcore punk rock shows there, but I also saw like Ice Cube and Yo-Yo oh, yeah. there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And Salt and Pepper and yeah. I mean, that was the place. Yeah, I remember the, like James Brown played everyone played there. Oh yeah, Roy Orbison his I think his last gig was there. Julie yeah. Kramer took photos of that, but yeah. um it had the huge, you know, for people who don't know cuz it's not there anymore, but yeah. it was on the water. Yeah. Um and it was uh a huge parking lot, I remember, which yeah. everybody hung out in all yeah. the time. Yeah. And then uh, inside, it wasn't necessary, necessarily anything special, but yeah. there was an energy in there, oh, and yeah. the fact that you there were a lot of little pockets that you could kind of yeah. go hang out in, mm. um, if you you know your band wasn't on until later or yeah. whatever. But um, God, I miss that place. Don't you miss that place? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's uh, yeah. I immediately that first, <clears throat> excuse me, that that very first show, like was like electric to me. I just remember yeah. like this is like where I want to be. That was my so first every... punk rock show was at the channel as well. Yeah, was it was it? Gang Green. Oh, nice. When uh, when Joe Gittleman was in the band, oh, all right. yeah, and the Goo Goo Dolls were opening. Oh yeah, and when that. they were a hardcore band. Yeah, but that the channel and being backstage, your first ever trip to the channel yeah. too was also yeah, you know, quite a quite a thing. Yeah. But yeah, it, does, it a place like that will will make a lasting imprint on you. It's not yeah. just about the because the bands themselves aren't necessarily yeah. Yeah. um but it's the scene, right? Yeah. So did you immediately be like these are my people, oh, yeah. this is my yeah, tribe. Yeah. 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 And I and when it, so there's a website uh I think it's called I think it might be Boston's Best Rock dot com or something like that, but I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's the chan it's a channel website. And it had you can click on a year, and it literally lists every single That's concert fantastic. that was. So when I go back, and I've always known this, like when I got into hardcore, 
I'm by like three or four months. I missed the Misfits, Minor. Th- all these bands broke up. Like, oh yeah, like three months yeah. or so. So I don't get that to, to brag about. I can't be like, oh yeah, some Minor Threat. Like you know, Al. There's a picture of Al Quint on stage with like Ian McKay singing. And, but uh, well, nobody but, likes to show <laughs> off. But yeah, that's kind of a big deal. But then, but so the next show I went to was uh, at this club, Storyville, which is no longer there. And right. It was, it was short-lived. It was a jazz club in the 60s. It was records. But the name get. pops up a lot. There were They had some seriously iconic shows there, yeah, did yeah. they not? Yeah. Mo- mostly jazz ones. No no big rock or punk shows there. But like, like I have a Charlie Parker live at Storyville. Album. Yeah. Like it, it reopened in the 80s, I think, and they tried to. But I saw uh, the Proletariat, uh, this band Sorry, that were really good. They were kind of like a mission. So both of these bands were... They're in the hardcore scene, the proletariat, and sorry, but they're more sort of arty, like Mission of Burma, Gang okay. of Four type stuff. Yeah. But that was the first show I slut like got in the pit. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so after that, I was like, every weekend, oh, we yeah. were at a show. And it's crazy to think, like, 14 years old, just taking the train into Boston and, or the yeah. bus, and you just go to Newbury Comics. And then, you know, a little bit after that, Al Quint, you know, and his best friend Mike Gitter, who's Marblehead guy, yep. did Triple X fanzine. I became good friends with them, and did, and then started my own zine called uh, One Step Forward, which I talked about on my my first episode of this. Which was when I look back at it now, like the grammar in it is like. Well, I'm like, sure it's atrocious. Yeah, it's atrocious because when I look at like Al and <laughs> like Mike's, I'm like, you know, they went to college. yeah. But the fact that you had the chutzpah to start a zine at yeah, how yeah. old were you? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, That's pretty first. crazy. Yeah. yeah, we went like we went to the I talked about on that first episode was we went to the paradise and interviewed Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks. Oh my god! It didn't record. Didn't record, <laughs> so we just like wrote it from memory. <laughs> Um, if I had a nickel for every time I had recording equipment that wasn't recording while I did an entire interview, I'd have a few dollars in my pocket. That shit happens all the time. But for so for a couple of years in in Boston anyway, for me, like the wheelhouse of like hardcore is eighty four to eighty six, and, and you know, and I go beyond that. There's also obviously great stuff after that, uh, you know, up, up into the nineties. But those are the now. formative years yeah, for you. Yeah, for me. Yeah. And I, so I was doing the zine and I, I interviewed so many great people like, you know, uh, Pete Stahl from Scream. Oh, uh, yeah. Who was one of my favorite singers of all time. And just his, the sweetest he, uh, guy. Wool. Wool. Yeah. He and his brother Franz were in Wool. Yeah. Which is yeah. one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my entire life. And you know how many shows yeah. I've seen, just yeah, as yeah. many as you. <laughs> uh, and then Franz later went on to be in the Foo Fighters for yeah. a little bit. And, yeah, yeah. and they all played in Scream with Dave yeah. Grohl. So. And, D- and Franz is in. The newer version of DYS, which we won't talk about. Okay, but, no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but actually, speaking of Wool and Pete Stahl, I, I I'm one of those assholes that posts like pictures of what I'm listening to, but you know, I but, records. And, I do that all the time. Yeah, that yeah. makes us both assholes. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's better than like just multiple pictures of burritos. But uh, so well, I put I up. I might have some of those too. <laughs> yeah, I not burritos. No. Uh, but I posted a picture of that that Wool album. Because that was like a big album. Kill the Crow and all that. Yeah. I mean, that was Superman a great record. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said, this was like a very important album to me in the 90s or whatever. And uh, and I tagged Pete still because I follow him on Oh, I didn't even Instagram. know he was on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to look that up. Well, he's a he's a tour manager now. He tour manages Royal Thunder, maybe. Okay. Some of those bigger, like, 
he was on on that last Sabbath tour because I think he was oh, wow. managing the other. But so I, he's managed tons of bands now. That was a band that I went to go see because I was hanging out with um, Kurt St. Thomas from FNX, and he was friends with all the record reps. And yeah. I, I want to say it was Paul Langton. It might not have been a, might have been John Lachey, but whoever it was, they were like, "Can you please come see our?" baby band or whatever like and we were at whatever bun ratties was at the time because it wasn't i don't think it was it might have been local Local 186 um and there were maybe seven eight nine ten people (laughs) in the entire club yeah and they came out and played like they were on fire and my face melted right off my body and i was just like that's (laughs) fucking ridiculous the energy level in that band was sick yeah yeah then they they came back here a couple years later with uh it was a tour. It was them, the Melvins, and L7 that was yep. at uh, Avalon. But anyway, Pete replied to the, when I posted that, the other, this is like a week ago, he was like, oh, thanks, man, that record, like, that band got me through the, like, helped me through the 90s as well, or something like that. It was kind of cool. And he's like, hey, there's a reissue of this, and blah, blah, blah. Well, you need to talk to him again, then. I know. I know. I should get him Absolutely. I think you should do, like, a whole fanzine episode where you go back and talk to the same people you talked to when you were a kid. Yeah. And then you can, uh, you (laughs) know, exercise all those bad grammar details. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know I did uh, Corrosion and Conformity in their van. Nice. Uh, That was was really fun. Uh, Gangrene. uh, Just a bunch of random men. So where are the zines now? I, I have them at my house. I have the first. It was, I only did three. So I, I sometimes I'll post screenshots of them. And you stuff. should totally digitize them and yeah. just have them, especially on a link from the podcast, because that absolutely yeah, shaped yeah. You, what you're yeah, doing yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. That's great. I didn't yeah. know that about you. Yeah. And Out of the, all the things I know about <laughs> you, Christian, I didn't know about the zines. And, that, and so at the same time, now that I'm into hardcore, I called my aunt Grace Burrell and was like, hey, can you give me Alan Burrell? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, just like, I know I didn't give a shit about your kid's record, but right. uh, I was ill-informed at the time, and now I'd like yeah. his home phone number. Thank you. Yeah. So I said, can you, you know, let him know I'm into, part, you know, maybe he'll, so she called me back. She's like, here's, here's his number. He was going to Northeastern at the time. He's a, he was an electrical engineer. And uh, so I would call him randomly. And we would just like shoot the shit about music and life and stuff. And uh, But at that time, SSD was already like sort of done with, not done with, but they were progressing into like a rock metal thing. They were always a band that would really, like Husker Du, where they would release an album and then wouldn't do those songs anymore. They'd be doing new songs. Yeah. And uh, so he was onto that. But I remember him sending me, well, not sending me, but I asked him like, hey, I'm going to Newberry Comics to, to buy some records, which they get and he gave me a list of records and then when i look at it in retrospect it was all like the records on his label oh really <laughs> i mean there's only like five I that's think funny six releases on that or something but they're probably pretty good records though weren't yeah, they? yeah 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 the, for the two ssds two fus and jerry's kids yeah so five albums I'm, those are I mean, some pretty iconic yeah, albums yeah. around these parts yeah. so. oh and dys so there's yeah. six yeah um so then I was going to these all-ages shows constantly, and then I hadn't met Al Burrell in person, and there was a sh- there was uh, a venue on Huntington Ave in Boston called the YWCA, it was part of Northeastern, and they had shows for like a summer, there was a famous show there where Dickie Barrett got his teeth. Impact unit? Yeah. <coughs> it was the... It was, <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I, I've forgotten many things over the years, but I have to know the origin band of Dickie Barrett. Very important. Uh, that, this was the first sort of Boston New York rivalry show where there was a huge fight. I think it was. Uh, Which then later spawned Franken. This is Boston, not LA, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, that whole scene. Well, no, this is uh, Boston, New York. So. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Boston, New York. So I think it was Murphy's Law and Agnostic Front came up here and there was a big. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And Jimmy Gestapo yeah. famously got in a fight with uh, Dickie. And now, is, of course, yeah, you know. Now they're like brothers. Dickie just played a yeah, benefit, yeah, for, benefit for him, yeah. uh, Jimmy so he can get his uh, bills paid, right? Yeah, for, yeah exactly. Yeah, and, uh, and Jimmy was a staple at every oh, yeah. Boston's throwdown every yeah. year. Yeah. Murphy's Law always played, yeah. and Jimmy, uh, super nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's funny that that's how they met. They actually yeah. got in a fight. Yeah. That's very typical boy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's just, maybe that could be a, a myth, but I, and I well, wasn't I'm at sure that show. Well, I'm sure somebody will correct yeah. <laughs> us after this podcast <laughs> yeah. goes live. Yeah. I wasn't at that show, but they, the next might have been, it was two or three other shows there. It was one with uh, DOA from uh, Canada. And Al Barrill was going to be there, and you know he was famously straight edge. Like they were the uh, it was Minor Threat, and then the next big straight edge band was SSD, who took it sort of to a more militant yeah thing. And Al's you know kind of known as like sort of the Godfather. You know, there's Ian and Al, I think. Uh, so I see Al and his wife, who he's still with Nancy, and I had a cigarette in my hand. <laughs> Walking, oh boy! Walking towards them so immediately, <laughs> throw up behind my back <laughs> <laughs> and go up and introduce myself to him. And I mean, yeah, the straight edge shit was was to be revered back then in a big way. Like yeah. I can remember being at a college party, yeah. and there was drinking, and somebody threw on either a Minor Threat or a Fugazi record, and it was like, "We can't listen to this while we're drinking, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like so wrong." Yeah, I, I had like a weird relationship with like when I think back to. Because, you know, I started listening to those straight-edge bands while, like, high as a kite in my friend's basement. <laughs> and I remember, like, talking about, like, just saying how powerful the you know. So it was, like, touching us, like... Even though like, you grateful. were yeah. totally fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but those kind of lyrics, though, spoke to me in more of a... Just that it gave people a choice. And that's what straight-edge to me was, like... Because yeah. it was very anti conformity because where i grew up it was all get drunk on the weekends and jocks and this and that and like you know we smoked pot but i never i was never like a drinker kid yeah and then when i got into high school i i didn't do any of that stuff so i was you know kind of i didn't really i think i put x's on my hand here and there but yeah i think think we all did right up until we turned 21 and could purchase alcohol legally (laughs) and then the straight edge thing kind of went out the window for a little while yeah but yeah, it was it was it was also the first time we could be part of a movement yeah. or, or to feel be a part of something that was separate from, um, dare I say, the bullies at your school yeah. because no, the know, bullies it's... inevitably were the fucking captains of the football team yeah, and yeah, all that exactly. shit. I, yeah. I'm not saying it's like that today, but right. it absolutely was like yeah. that back then. So. Yeah, no, I th- and I think that stuff spoke to me, and I have so much respect for a lot of those guys that I'm friends with now that are like still following that they're yeah. still living straight edge that's one hell forever. of a commitment absolutely yeah, yeah. and they might not fly that flag but they're at least just they don't drink you know yeah. it's like some of these guys i've known literally never <laughs> drank or done anything yeah ken ever. reed has never ever yeah. ever had a sip of alcohol yeah. ever that's yes. amazing to me yeah. so you meet al Baril finally in person yeah. for the first time yeah, yeah. and what was that like it was it was a little nervous but he's very like if, if 
people know him, he's very he's like an intimidating guy, but he's very soft spoken and quiet. Uh-huh. And uh, but he's also a very funny guy and just. But it was just it was like a quick hey hey you know, and then like I would see him. I never saw them as a hardcore band. I saw them when they were like doing the the more hard rock metal stuff. So I never got to see him as like lethal. You yeah, know? it was kind of a different thing at that point. But uh, no, it was cool and like I just. He wasn't like a big part of my life at that point, but I, you know, just aside from those phone calls early on where he would like talk about hardcore and stuff with me, was uh, was interesting. Well, then, just finding people to talk about the music that you're into was difficult. Yeah, yeah. In and of itself, and then yeah. to find somebody that is basically a built-in friend because you're related. Yeah, yeah. There is that sort of connection, and yeah. then you know, so that's cool because you, although you had Jeff, he he isn't an older brother in the sense that he was introducing you to things. Yeah. You were being introduced to things at the same time. Right, right. Um, so you didn't have like sort of that older sibling to sort right. of bring things to you, and yeah. maybe Al, you know, got to be yeah. that yeah. person for you a little bit. Yeah, those him and and Al Quint. And yeah, then, but then my brother, you know, started getting into Joy Division and New Order, and that, and that's he kind of brought me back into that kind of stuff. The that I kind of I guess I started getting into with like the B fifty twos and that. Right. So that was sort of going alongside of hardcore, especially because you needed. You need a break. Stuff, and you needed stuff to put on mixtapes for girls. So yeah, absolutely. You and, need to meet girls. And yeah. that, I mean, one of the reasons I probably got so into hardcore when I did was because it was a fucking sausage party. <laughs> and I was boy crazy. Yeah. And I was boy crazy for a very particular type of boy. And they were all at the channel at those hardcore shows. Yeah. So I was happy. But <clears throat> I can imagine as a guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're going to have to get into some other yeah. shit or yeah, you're not exactly. going to meet girls yeah. ever. Yeah. 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 Or only girls that have a shaved head and bangs. And yeah. That's probably not the girl for you. Yeah. yeah. So then I guess uh, we're around getting out of high school now, like 86, 87. Uh, Al Quint wanted to start a band. He had a band called No System before. So he hired, not hired, he tapped me. My, my good friend at the time was this kid, John Kelleher from Lynn, that I, I had worked at a supermarket with, who's like straight-laced guy but loved like he was in just gone into hardcore and stuff mm-hmm. so him and i were trying to start a band so were you playing yet yeah yeah i had started playing bass at this point okay so i picked so up, you I, started to play bass like that's that was your first yeah yeah that's an interesting thing yeah. don't people usually migrate to bass yeah, as yeah, opposed usually, to i did have yeah. a guitar when i was like 10 but i didn't i never like knew it i didn't really okay. try to play it so I bought a bass to, to and an amp to start with to play with John, and then Al Quint was like, "I want let's start a bit." So we started this band called Shattered Silence, which I initially played bass for, and Al sang. Um, and Al, this guy George, played guitar with us. Who was sort of like he was an older guy, and he was more into like the New York Dolls and, and that kind of stuff. But Al, because of his connections, you know, he has this huge zine in Boston. Uh, would get us these amazing shows. So, and what know. is that like going from you know the audience to being on stage? It was it was cool, but like we didn't. People weren't there to see us. Like Al famously had it with his band No System. They played with Suicidal Tendencies of the wow. Paradise, who were late. So Al, the No System played like a longer set, and I remember people were just you not. Know, they did like a. A Def Leppard song from their first album, and <laughs> Bruce Springsteen maybe. Or... Was the crowd not happy? Not happy. Oh, uh, so, but but Al Quint, you know, people like and 
respect that guy, so you know we didn't. But people weren't there to see us, so. But so we got to open flick the adolescence, and then we got to play with uh, Scream at TT's. Wow. And uh, that was like packed, and uh, I think at that point I had switched to vocals, and I had started getting into the skinhead thing, shaving my head. The flight jacket. The flight jacket thing. So that was around that same era when I graduated high school. And uh, I got into that and I was, you know, and I have fucking tat, you know, a crucified skinhead tattoo on my arm. Mm-hmm. And United, I have a Fred Berry <laughs> tattoo on my chest. Jesus Christ. That says United States skinheads around it. Um, but you can't really read anymore because I'm Italian. But, <clears throat> <laughs> um, but that's still there. But, but being into that, I was more into sort of. And this is, uh, to be clear, not like non-racist skinheads. Yeah. You know, well, that, I mean, for for those that don't know, the skinhead movement was originally started um, by black men, wasn't it? Sort of. Sort of. You know, um, it was definitely Scott. not. It was uh, not racist in intention. That was sort of a splinter off, and then that became the big iconic skinheads that everybody know about, but it originally had nothing to do with being racist at all. Yeah, Yeah, like I just finally ordered one of those agnostic front skinhead shirts that you've seen for years, and part of me is wearing a shirt that says skinhead on it, but people wear those, and I don't, you know. But uh, I wasn't into I was, because the skinhead thing was... A little more right wing too, yeah, and and violent, not violent, but you know, I've been in one fight in my life. <laughs> was in seventh grade, yeah. <clears throat> so I wasn't into fighting. So I so the skinhead thing was more of like a music and fashion thing for me, and I you know it was a short lived period, and you know I have the tattoos. Well, especially pretty, growing up the way you grew up yeah. and being around all different cultures, all different yeah. races, especially yeah. out in L.A. and stuff that, you know, I yeah. mean, I can imagine that that wasn't going to be your bag anyway. No, so. no. Yeah. And then, uh, so that band, we played for a little while. It was just straight up head hardcore. Uh, and we did a reunion a few years ago. It was Al's uh, 55th Oh, birthday. yeah. I remember seeing the pictures from that. Yeah. And we were you know, up there doing, literally doing songs about Oliver North and our parents. <laughs> Which is just yeah. like that Saturday Night Live yeah, skit yeah, where yeah. the band comes yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely yeah. the same thing. Yeah, That's exactly so funny. So, but that was, it was <laughs> Reagan fun to, in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so, hard, so hardcore at that point. Uh, I wasn't losing interest in it, but I, after high school, I kind of slowly, maybe around 89 is when I slowed down a little and that's that's when the grateful dead yeah how does happened. that happen is that a girl like where how do you <laughs> i have to know how um, you go from all of that shit to fucking jerry garcia like that's a big shift uh, my yeah. friend I i'm trying to remember I, I don't really remember i remember getting one of their albums from like a uh one of those yankee swap things <laughs> yeah and I, two, this, two fuck two times in my life this has happened i got Yes, going for the one. You know that album, yeah. the Naked Guy. It's like oh, the worst yeah. fucking. Yet. Like, <laughs> and uh, I mean, now I, I listen to it now. It's like, oh, let's get some. But uh, I got that. But I got a Grateful Dead album called Reckoning for, uh, and that's probably the one I would use if I was ever to introduce. Okay. Some of the Grateful Dead. I play that record for. Yeah, I purposely don't know a lot about them. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Not my scene. But um. But I did that for a little while, and I would go to a lot of shows, and I. And I 
It had to be girl related in some manner, no, though, yeah, wasn't? Right. Was it drugs? Was it <laughs> was it just getting fucked up there and going no, to the shows and no, reliving no, the Woodstock of your that you didn't I, yeah, get to live? Or I think it was the people. I was, I, there was no girl though. And it, it was, really, my, my best friend at the time was this guy Derek. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's definitely yeah, a scene to get into. But considering the scenes that you were already in, it's just shocking yeah. to me that that was. Uh, I I don't know how I got into. I'm not really sure i think it was just i liked some of the music uh i still do but some of it hasn't aged well uh, the, my but with a lot of music even like the beatles like the the catalog of their music that i can listen to at this point is shrunk significantly, significantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah like i don't really go before revolver or like rubber Soul. i think it's revolver right yeah, and yeah. that's kind of it at this point yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so with the grateful dead i kind of do that like going backward like i Going forwards, I can't really like the. It's just, stuff is... uh, it's just, it's hysterical because when I first met you, um, that was the Black Barbie era, which we'll get to in yeah. a second. But you were still in the flight jacket situation <laughs> and looked like a skinhead no, or you I, know well, hardcore guy. I... And then you're at these fucking Grateful Dead shows, yeah. and I'm just cracking up. Like, did you have a whole different outfit that <laughs> you is, wore? There is, like, <laughs> I did, there is a picture of me with a. Somewhere with a flight jacket with a like a dancing bear. Oh, that's under. fucking hysterical! So kind of straddling both of those at the yeah. same time, which is those are some different weird. worlds, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's uh, amazing. Yeah, so I did that for a while, and then, uh, so then the so I guess it's now the nineties. Okay. And, uh, yeah. In Swamp Scott. Were you going to Salem State? By the way, yeah, I, I ended okay. up going to Salem State a little later, and that's how the Black Barbie. Thing okay, happened. so this is before that. Yeah. I started a band. <clears throat> At that point, I felt like I was like the one, the, like a Swamp Scott, Al Quinn had moved, and a bunch of other people had moved. So there wasn't, I was like the, I felt like I was like the only punk rock old guy in, in Swamp Scott. Yeah. Well, most of the punk rock kids, whether it was Swamp Scott, Marblehead, or Salem, or whatever, um, as soon as we were able to, we got the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my girlfriend at the time, uh, her and I might have just split up, but her um, kid that she was friends with, this kid Chris, uh, she said, hey, these guys are have a, a hardcore band, and they're all like, I think they were all just in high school, and I was pro- I would have been 24 at this point, I guess, it was like okay. 19, or maybe 93, so yeah, it was probably like 23, and these guys were 16, 17 years old. They want you to sing for their hardcore band, but they're scared to ask you. They see you around <laughs> town or whatever. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, so I go and meet these kids, and these ki- and these guys are now sort of not these specific ones, but uh, led me to like the like the guys I'm like very close with now okay. to this day, or all started from this from the, the band. So my nickname in high school was <clears throat> Lugnut. Oh, which, I didn't realize that that's where that came from. Yeah, the the, the jocks. So when we talk about jocks in high school, once we got to like senior year, I became a little more friendly with jocks to the point where I, me and the uh, the the uh, quarterback for the, the football team and another guy, they had a lip sync contest and we did the Beastie Boys. That oh was my MCA. God. There's a video of that somewhere. I've never seen it. <laughs> Um, but you, we became like less, you became more friendly with the, the jock types. But I remember like this one kid used to say Compagna and then so, like mispronounce my last name. Salagna, yeah. Salugna. 
and then lug nut came from that for whatever fucking reason. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so but that yeah. was a big band. I mean, I saw your flyers everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like you well, guys we, had, yeah, we, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I no, no. Gonna, no, I was gonna say. I, I so I started uh, tagging that all over Swarmscott, like writing it. Spray oh yeah, I saw it, it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so that's what these guys wanted me to join their band, and then so I had been out of hardcore and stuff. So these guys sort of introduced me to the stuff they had been listening to, which was this sort of early '90s, like Sick of It All. And, yeah. And that kind of so we did covers of we did mostly covers sick of it all, uh, we did a minor threat song and then just like bands I hadn't really been familiar with, and then we ended up eventually started writing our own stuff which was sort of more like like metal and like Caius, and uh, I think towards the end of that band I was the only original one me and this uh, kid Alex Stray were sort of partners and we he was the the lead guitarist amazing guitarist like played like eddie van halen like to the point where you're like like you know chicks like <laughs> like take a pennies shirt. were dropping yeah, yeah like that kind of kid like a good looking mm-hmm. jacked kid so he was good like sidekick to having the, the band, oh yeah that's counter, a good wingman yeah to counter the the fat me which <laughs> when i look at that now i'm like yeah, i no, wish I was you that weren't big. no uh, <laughs> so we, we did that for a while and uh yeah we 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 never like did much beyond like playing around the North Shore. And well, stuff, you were a great brand ambassador because your band sounded much bigger <laughs> than what you're telling me. Yeah, like yeah. It, they, the... yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we recorded a, a bunch of stuff, but we never released it or or anything like that. So, well, you had a hell of a presence on the North Shore anyway, because I totally remember all yeah, of that. Yeah, and then and then college was uh, when I met. Uh, I started DJing at WM. Uh, and that's was this I after I had left? I guess so this 90, was later, yeah. Yeah, ninety four. Okay. Woman. And then I met. Uh, that's where I met Gretchen. We we did her and uh, Joe, her boyfriend at the time. And Gretchen is now in the knockups. Yeah, yeah. And she's been on the the podcast before. Um, and, and, and we had the band Black Barbie, and then the drummer of that band was this guy Bro, who became good friends with me. And then him and I, he would come to Rocket Ra- so. Oh, that's the other. So the other thing that's sort of like my music career or whatever, I worked at uh, Rocket Records, which, which was, is in Saugus, and that was sort of like the place to go to find yeah. stuff. It wasn't a chain store. Um, I mean, I for mean, for the North Shore, yeah, contingent, it was, awesome. it was the Newbury Comics before Newbury. Yeah, Comics, you yeah. know, I mean, that was it. Yeah, and when I initially got the job there, because my brother worked there, uh, I only worked for credit. So I would get, I worked on the weekends. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Like a 17 year old kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I, years hilarious. later, I became full time there. And then, uh, so then, so Bro w- would come in every morning or on the Saturday mornings when I'd work. And him and I talked about starting a band. And the initial idea was to be, we were into like uh, the Buffalo Tom, like Ema, like, stuff like the get up kids and promise ring and that was sort of the original idea and that band then ended up being presley i I didn't know that i could put buffalo tom and the promise ring in the same (laughs) sentence but that does make sense yeah 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 we wanted to do like sort of like indie rock yeah super chunk yeah uh, that kind of stuff and uh so that was the band uh presley which i was okay like 10 years and that's the music you hear on this podcast and 
And that was probably my favorite band I played with. We were together for like a decade and started as a quartet. And But most of the existence of that band was a trio. And it turned more into, uh, not Smashing Pumpkins, more like sort of late 90s, like heavier guitar-oriented stuff. But then the Grateful Dead improvisation thing <laughs> snuck into that band. <laughs> not not the music, but the, the concepts of yeah. improvising. So our shows were often uh, <laughs> test and patience for the audience. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, so we would do that. We would segue songs and, and that kind of thing. And uh, but that was a, a fun band, and I, and I loved playing that band. And those two guys are uh, Arnie, the bass player, and Bro, the drummer, were awesome. Still musicians. lifelong friends for yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and they and they're both, they both they still play music, and they both are always in you know good bands. And so it's cool to see that they're still out there doing shit. And we've no, we the last show we played was August two thousand nine. So. Maybe someday. We'll... So, at what point does does playing music kind of take a backseat again? Because I feel like, you know, there was a huge chunk of time where you are a musician, you're yeah. in bands, and you're doing all of that end of things, and then you stop doing that. Yeah, that that was, was two thousand nine when this when this band broke up. I didn't I didn't really go back to. I did the reunions with Shattered Silence, playing bass, and uh, and there was a little Black Barbie. Reunion after yeah, we Joe did, passed, right? Yeah, we yeah. did one thing with him. and uh, But yeah, I haven't done... It just hasn't... Is it because you sort of did everything you wanted to do? and? Yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I think uh, with like music, I feel like I've been in so many different aspects of it. There's also the Rounder Records, which was actually a big part of this. Yeah. My development, I think, is... So, so, I worked it's, at, so you grew up surrounded by... Um, music label executives and and part of the record company business mm. and then you go and work for a record store yeah. then you work for a record label in yeah. the middle of all that you're also <laughs> writing fanzines you're going to completely different genres of music and you know so you really have hit everything yeah right I so except- i mean Hip hop to a certain extent, you hit that as well, didn't you? I mean, you yeah, were definitely being, going to oh, those yeah. shows too. Yeah, yeah, I love hip hop and still. Uh, but yeah, round a so I worked at round a records. And when that. when did that start? Uh, Ninety seven. Okay. My girlfriend at the time, uh, Tara, uh, her roommate worked there, and they had an opening in the warehouse. And, and where place, was Rounder? At that point, it was in uh, North Cambridge. Okay. Like right, right outside of Davis Square. Okay. So it's like where we would go to have lunch. Uh, but at that time, I started there in receiving, the receiving department. And I liked jazz music a little from like my Grateful Dead friends, but mostly just like Miles Davis and sort of the more popular stuff. But I was the assistant with this guy named Rocky Stone, which some people may know around. But there's a, there's a book that uh, Brett Milano wrote about record collecting oh. uh, a few years ago. There's a chapter on this guy, Rocky, who was like a Vietnam vet. Old guy, very like shaky. Yeah, but an encyclopedia of like jazz, blues, and his house. He had to move out of his apartment once because his collection was like, like bellowing the floor of the place. Oh yeah, like hoarding, like like 
every inch of his house was records and CDs. To Record collecting where... became um, this really interesting thing yeah. in the late 80s and early 90s with that whole like limited edition, only yeah, 17 yeah. press, yeah. Yeah, you know, sets and shit. clear vinyl, whatever <laughs> it was. But like you, the friends you knew that were into that were so far into that you yeah. couldn't even compete oh, yeah. with it. Yeah. And and it, it, that plus being a hoarder. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the marriage made in hell. Yeah. So he introduced me to tons of music, and it was almost like inspiring yeah. work in there. And working there was sort of the last, you know, I love my current job and the people I work with, but the Rounder was the last place I worked where I was sort of around people like me. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Rocky got me into all that stuff, and then I worked in the offices, and I worked... Uh, sitting next to this guy george hall who's a guitar player he lives up in gloucester and he was in the band dogzilla oh yeah lunch, lunch with ed with yeah and then sex bomba with chris cody who's yeah like one of the best singers absolutely and ever. he was up for the bruins yeah. uh yeah, yeah. thing I, I don't even know who that yeah. ended up going to but it should have yeah. been chris cody that guy's got pipes for days yeah yeah he's amazing yeah so uh george nicest guy in the world just he got me into a ton of uh music that i never like just like weird stuff and odd, like odd stuff like uh uh nrbq and, and he was a big nrbq fan and uh mose allison just like a lot of random stuff that i love now that, that george introduced me to so there was a lot of people at rounder that, that got me into uh other stuff so i kind of miss that so and i think that's like important through life to have like all these different people like throughout life that get you into stuff oh yeah absolutely so i those, those... yeah i just ran into somebody at the 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 show at yeah. the orpheum tina gliptus who yeah. was the music director at wm when i for, when i was a freshman yeah and she took me aside there are these people in our lives i yeah. think that are you know they come in and they sort of teach you all these things about yeah, music yeah. you've never heard you've yeah. never seen or whatever and then they sort of float back out yeah, again yeah. you know yeah, and or, but right. but it's so important it's it's like studying with masters you yeah. know and and you wonder you know people are like how do you know so much about so much and it's yeah. like those people are how i know so yeah. much about so much so yeah. you've had some incredible you you just keep finding those people or they keep finding you yeah. i don't know <laughs> I, th I th yeah, and I, and I was thinking about this recently because I I started buying records again, and uh, so I, I used to go to Newberry Comics, obviously, and for a while that was the place to go, because some of the mom and pop ones would get a reputation of being like snooty, yeah. You know? But Newberry Comics seemed like even though it was a chain, there was like you know people that were like me that worked there, so I have a lot of friends. That worked for Newberry Comics through the years that, you know, like Mark McKay, Slapshot guy, uh, my friend Nicole, who works the, the bar at uh, Middle East, she worked there for years. And all these different people that you would go in and just hang out and talk to for an hour and they'd recommend music to you. And I kind of missed that. And then, you know, I thought that was gone with Newberry Comics. And now where I live, there's a couple different shops I go to, Newberry's. And there's guys that work in there that I, same thing. You go in and talk to them about music and record, you know, I buy shit that's, you know, I still buy music every week, uh, you know, but for years I didn't and I thought that was gone, but it was me. It wasn't, Yeah. you know, you go in there, you find these people because people want to work in records. I mean, there's people there that are just working there. Yeah. 
maybe because they like fucking toys or whatever. But there's still the music guys that, that work at these that you can find. And I still, so I get that again now at 48. But I remember That's like. pretty great. And I remember uh, a, a friend of mine, John Sandler, owns a, a new shop in uh, Brookline Village, a record store. And I'll go in there sometimes just and hang out. And I remember like when I would go to record stores as like a kid used ones. And you'd always see that like fat old guy in there, like standing at the counter that was like friends with the owners, just in there talking. Now I'm that guy. Yeah. It's like, hey, Bobby, what do you got today? <laughs> got do you live here, man? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right, so, but there, you know, those a lot of those little communities are gone because yeah. you can do everything online on your computer yeah, yeah. and you can find every record or whatever. Right. But you know, there is something to be said about somebody going, "Oh, you like that? Right. Have you heard this?" Yeah, yeah. You know, that really needs to continue, or yeah. people aren't going to learn the yeah. way you know they yeah. should. I think. So. Yeah, and I think, and I think buying the records too is is not regressive, but it's me sort of getting that feeling back because I'll do I'll sit at home and play records and look at them yeah that feeling like when, when you was... when you get home yeah and you unpack yeah yeah and you you start listening and, and reading the liner notes and yeah. and you know holding them tangibly in your hands yeah, is yeah. something about that and and maybe it is nostalgia in a yeah. certain way but it's also like you know i'm i'm sure people back in the day did that with books yeah, right yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know because no, that's, know. Yeah, like... that's how you got educated <laughs> yeah. you read books and yeah. and and yeah. uh so yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that you're having this sort of renaissance yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know. And and even with new, you know, it's few and far between for me at this point with like new artists. Uh-huh. It's more me just being lazy because when I do find stuff, I'm like, oh, there's good shit out there in it. And so there's I try always to make, good shit out there. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than hearing there's no good music. Yeah. All the good music was back and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. you're just ignorant yeah. and you're lazy. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. always good music to be found. And, and in your own backyard, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, there's, there's this band called the Rupert selection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're fucking blow me yeah. away. Hmm. Every single time I see them, it's yeah. like, um, you know, it was like going to see Tool for the first time. Yeah. There's just something about that fucking band, and you know it when you hear it, when you see it. Yeah. They may not conquer the world, but there, there's just something special there, and yeah. that's happening all over all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, and no. it's it's great to because I think we do get lost and yeah. we do stray. Um, yeah. from music yeah. and uh, for me it was like I got married I had a kid I was yeah. living out west like yeah. I was so far removed yeah, from everything not, yeah. you know and then I found um, this Heartless Bastards record yeah completely just a weird thing I was mm. working with Kurt on uh, um, his little online radio station Houndstooth or whatever yeah. and I came across this band right. and um, that record did for me what all those records had yeah. done in the past where you really do feel inspired and yeah, it makes yeah. you be more creative and you want to write and you want to, you know, turn people onto it. Yeah, and, course. um, there's nothing like that feeling. It's like yeah. a drug. Yeah. 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 No, I love it. And that's why, uh, social media has kind of helped that too with, I mean, your regular Facebook feed, you know, a lot of times it's mostly politics, but if sometimes if you join groups and that kind of thing. You can kind of narrow down and find like people to share, you know, music opinions yeah. and that kind of stuff with. So, and that's sort of how I found my way to this podcasting. Yeah. So let's talk about the podcast a little bit because you had been talking about doing it for a long time. I yeah. would say at least five or six years, if not longer. It was probably longer in your head than yeah, my head, you yeah. were actually speaking out loud about doing it. Um, but how is it? You know, it's amazing that you've 
built this archive of um you know history that is so important and it's uh it's an oral history of um you know a time frame and growing up here but also just the music that didn't get a huge spotlight yeah, yeah. And, and people didn't know about outside of the scene right. in any way yeah. and uh it's also amazing to listen to and to get to know people that you think you know yeah I you know. know yeah um listening to kevin Patey or even keith bennett there were yeah. things that I, you know i've known yeah. those guys for a long time and, yeah. and i was like wait what <laughs> they play with who yeah or you know and and it's just it's it's a pleasure to listen to. It's an honor to be interviewed Thanks. on it. Yeah. Um, but I do like the fact that you were the first person that really got me to talk about my origin story and mm. that it's there yeah. and it's recorded. Yeah. And so someday when my kids have kids and <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. long gone, they yeah, can yeah. listen to it and be like, yeah. wow, great Nana Angie was kind of cool back in the day. <laughs> um, I think it's really important. But is But when you started... Was that, the, what was the reason you wanted to have the podcast? Uh, well, I, I want to go back once from what you just said, talking sure, about. Sure, go ahead. I was literally just thinking about this this morning, about how, so, because I, you know, obviously pay to have this thing hosted and whatever. I'm like, so if I die at some point and I'm not paying for this, is it just going to disappear off of uh, <laughs> iTunes? Because <laughs> it's not going to be hosted anywhere. So, you know, if you do want your grandchildren and everything that I, you know maybe save that i can send you the mp3 file yeah but, yeah we yeah. do need to save it yeah. I mean, you need to archive it somewhere <laughs> somebody needs to archive it because i don't want this to go missing no, no, I know. um but i i listened to a podcast called uh stuff you should know that was sort of the first one i discovered which was just two guys talking about um the history of microphones or the history just like random histories of stuff and uh I don't know how it works. It's, it's, I don't know. Um, and then I discovered the Mark Maron podcast, and I really liked that because, as you know, I'm a huge comedy fan. Yeah. And I loved his interview style. Um, and then some of the uh, the other one I got into was, uh, which was probably the one I've like sort of modeled this after a little, is called Turned Out a Punk, which is. Uh, by a guy named uh, Damon, who's the singer for Fucked Up, and his every episode of his starts with "How did you get into punk?" And he's had every he just had Jack Black on there. He's had everyone nice. on there. This is great. Um, he's and he's very uh, like nerdy. Like he, you know, tell you everything about every pressing of an album. And I love that. Know, yeah. So that we need those people around. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that kind of memory anymore. Yeah. So that that one, I was like, hmm, this would be kind of cool. And then I was just like, well, someone's already doing this. So, you know, so I kind of forgot about it. And then I started listening to these podcasts by comedians, uh, Joe Rogan, who normally I wouldn't like that guy. That guy had like the wrong impression of him, I think. But his, I like his podcast when he has guests that I like. You know, yeah. He has like people like Jordan Peterson on and Ben Shap, you know, which I don't really want to have. I don't want to get into politics. And right, right, right. But when he has people like that on, I don't really. But when he has other comedians on or like thinkers and that stuff, it's interesting. And then there's this comedian named Dean Del Rey, who's this rock guy. He's like heavily into rock music. And he has a podcast called Let There Be Talk. He's an L.A. comedian. <laughs> nice. And he was on Mark Maron's show. And that's when I first heard of him. And he's it was a San Francisco guy. He was in a 90s band. Also, he loves ACDC, but he loves, like, the Grateful Dead and this and that. And uh, 
So he would also be on this other podcast called The Church of What's Happening Now, which is this guy, Joey Diaz, who's a comedian. So Joey Diaz's comedy, I'm not really a fan of. I like him. I think he's one of the funniest people in the world. His okay. stand-up is a little, isn't really my style. But he, he when he has Dean Del Rey on, this, so this guy, Joey Diaz, is a New Jersey guy. He's uh, like a, looks like he's on The Sopranos. Uh, Cuban guy but he I didn't realize this he's like a huge metal fan like he was he grew up like he loves Black Sabbath and yeah stuff like that and so when he has Dean Del Rey on that's all they do is talk about this one sort of era of music every once in a while they'll have Rudy Sarzo who's the, the oh, bass yeah. player uh, <laughs> I there. live with the uh, guitar <laughs> nut job yeah yeah, yeah so I hear all about Rudy Sarzo all the time yeah so it's literally just them. The these podcasts aren't scripted. There's no. They're not interviews. It's just literally them talking about whatever. And they're, but it, it's it's entertaining enough to you and informative that it inspired you to want to. It's exactly what. It is. So to yeah. me, I was like, hmm. I like to. Um, I like listening to just people talking because that's what I do. I, if I'm out with my friends, music mm-hmm. friends, we'll shoot the shit about music. So I was like, hmm. I wonder how I can. So I made a list. Of people, I still have it in my phone, although I've like deleted. Like I, at first, I wasn't gonna delete ones as I did them, uh, but I did like most of them on that list. I, I've wow. I've gotten done uh, with like people I was like that are interesting, and and this is not a not a uh, insult or anything to any. I love every person I've had on this thing, but I did specifically when I first started it thought of people that I noticed on social media are, are very good at uh, promoting promoting yeah. and being out there. So I No, like, I think that's smart. Uh, these people would be great to have on here. And and they're all talented people that I love and I think their story, you know, most of their stories have been very interesting and so I started, you know, calling some people and uh, yeah, people started getting into it and uh, so the format has sort of stayed the same, I think, for the most. Well, most I mean, yeah, and it's you know, talk about the passion. It's mm-hmm. it's it's about whatever people are passionate about yeah. within yeah. the music industry, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, how did it? I feel like it's morphed a little bit since you started it. Yeah. And not that you necessarily had a a timeline or yeah. or you know. Um, right whatever you call it, yeah. uh, a plan right. of where it was going to go. But yeah. I feel like it has morphed into, um, you know, an oral history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and at first I was thinking I'll just do hardcore people. And then I was like, well, there's, I know people from all sorts of worlds. Yeah, that's, and, you know, it's like putting you into a hardcore box. It's right. not what you are at yeah, all, yeah. you know, like yeah. you like all these different things. And yeah. So you're the perfect host for something right. like this. Yeah, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the great Kevin Patey one, which I think, yeah. you know, I love all these, but that's one of my favorite episodes I did. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm glad I kind of opened it to people from just all sorts of worlds and uh, early on to, to make it. Uh, but it has, it definitely is more, I mean, it has, most of the the podcast has been people from the punk and hardcore world or metal world. So yeah. It's just, those are the people I know, but uh, the challenging ones have been people I don't know that I've never met, that I know on social media. So, 
Right, because been, just because somebody's interesting and has led an interesting yeah. life does not mean they're going to make a good interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's been a couple that have been, you know, they came out good, but for me they were just they were definitely work to get. You know, it is. I mean, people to to talk. The the be, the best interviews are the conversations you feel like you're just listening in. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But there are certain ones where there are a lot of yeah, work, and it's to, like pulling teeth because yeah. people aren't um, always naturally chatty, yeah, or exactly. or know where you're trying to lead them. Especially with the mic, you know. Yeah. Once you turn the mic off, you know they're chatting up us. And storm, you're like, but... "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and the other challenge has been for me. I you know, and this is you know everyone admits this kind of stuff now, but social anxiety. Yeah. So messaging people i've taken breaks on this podcast and a lot of it has had to do with just trying to like plan with people and just yeah. or even there's certain people i've i'll spend like two hours sitting there waiting to hit send on just a message that just literally is you know hey i do this pop you know it's the same sort of right well you're still time. soliciting and um, you know what i yeah. mean like it is nerve-wracking yeah yeah and, um although i think i feel like you should feel a little less nervous about it now that you have this yeah. year under your belt yeah and and just really quality stuff you know nobody Thanks. comes away from the podcast going oh that's fucking right. cheap you know like Thanks. it's just Thanks. um so i think you know maybe a little less time before you hit send yeah, should yeah. be <laughs> in the future but i yeah. get it and that's yeah. the and that's the other reason why i'm so proud that you've done this mm -hmm. because as much as you want to do it social anxiety and and any of that stuff is so debilitating yeah, and there are days yeah. where you can't leave your house yeah, or you yeah. can't you know so let alone try to reach out to you know an iconic right person in your life that yeah, yeah. you know their music shaped you or whatever yeah. and yeah. and then just what if they say no what if they yeah. never even yeah. get back to you right, and right. yeah that's of course it i mean you know and, and every person that has you know people have lives you well know? yeah so, you know and that's why we're in my attic them. on a saturday <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah those those have been the most challenging but those are the ones i kind of want to do is because you want to push yourself right yeah, yeah. i want to so to have like uh Bob Mayo, the, the singer and bassist from Orgasm, mm -hmm. like come to my house. Yeah, <laughs> that's wanna, pretty great. Like it's one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, like local and like just national. So right. That guy like coming over to my house to talk about uh, music was like, and I had never met him. Like I had seen his band. One of the a things of we times. one of the things we do have to get to is these. There's a common thread through very a lot of your episodes, yeah, and that is the band Kiss. Yes, and I just want to go back <laughs> to your childhood. Yeah, and one of the greatest moments that makes you you yeah. is the fact that you got to visit uh, Kiss um, on set when you were a kid with your dad. Yeah, well, they they weren't. We didn't. Well, we went to see. Uh, and I remember this day, my dad coming home with uh, Double Platinum, the album. Yep. I was in the bathtub, and he said, we're going to go see Kiss uh, next week. They're playing at Magic Mountain, the, the amusement park. They're filming a movie, so we're going to go to the concert. We're gonna go. And the name of the movie? <laughs> is Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Which is Phantom of the Park! Yeah, which is like a horrible movie, but it's awesome. But uh -huh. so iconic for people of a certain age. Yeah, like yeah. you stayed up late to watch that on TV and yeah. it was ridiculously bad, but your favorite band was in it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so I saw that and then we saw the forum show 
you know, bef- which is the famous the, the famous run at the Forum, and then the that um, the Phantom of the Park one. I think it was May of '78. I mean, there are pictures of you and your brother in yeah, the director yeah. chairs yeah, yeah. from yeah, yeah. Phantom we went, of the Park. I mean, that's fucking yeah, huge. Those, yeah. Those are yeah. And there's a pic- yeah. There's a famous picture of them at a press conference in those chairs. And there's a picture of me. I'm wearing an Ace Freely shirt, but I'm in. I think I'm in front of uh, the Gene Simmons chair. Which, yeah. He probably would have charged me fucking money if he was. Well, yeah, touch. that's true. Uh, and we did see Paul Stanley like coming out of a one of those little trailers. And we saw Adam Rich, who was uh, on. Uh, from Eight, Eight is Enough? Yeah, he was oh backstage. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember. Nicholas from yeah, Eight Nicholas. is Enough. Yeah. And then years <laughs> later, I saw Kiss it, when they did their first reunion at, at the Boston, uh, or the, I think it might have been the Fleet Center. It's a yeah. Or something. And, but they're, they're one of those bands now. Like, and I, people hate them. and... And well, I can... I, you know, I, I, it, they're, they're an important band. Yeah. Um, because it was a gateway into a lot of yeah. other music. Yeah. Um, but Gene Simmons is has slowly but surely, yeah, just ruined. fucking soiled every yeah. last good memory you have yeah, of that exactly. band, and it's, yeah. it is a tough thing. Like even when I play it on ZLX, I'm like, yeah. remember this is before he was a complete <laughs> and total tool. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, yeah. it does suck when that kind of stuff happens. I mean, there's a whole other podcast about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've they've become a less important band to me. In my, in but I do love that there's this little thread where everybody yeah, no. has a kiss story. I yeah. mean, and yeah, one of my everyone. favorite kiss stories, if you ever get a chance to talk to Henry Rollins, he did a whole <laughs> spoken word tour yeah. about uh, taking his buddy Joe. Was it Joe Cool or Joe whatever? Cole, yeah. Joe Cole. Um, and and that they all went to this Kiss concert because somebody in the Rollins band was a huge Kiss nut. Yeah, huh. and so they go, they pack up the band and they go to the show, and and it's the most hysterical thing you've yeah. ever heard in your huh. life, and and the fact that you know whether you loved or hated that band, yeah. they put on a fucking show oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that was like a Vegas style showstopper yeah. that people yeah. pay thousands of oh, dollars yeah. to go see yeah, now, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and so they you know their imprint, even though like like we said, Gene Simmons is slow like scratching away yeah. at that at that history it's important yeah definitely and yeah. i think it's interesting that almost every single person you've talked to has a kiss story <laughs> just about yeah 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 it has been not thread. to mention the impersonations yeah, yeah it's been some good impersonations. <laughs> uh i think uh keith bennett's paul stanley yeah that's perfect yeah. pretty hysterical yeah uh yeah so that they've become less important in my adulthood i still listen to them here and there but the, again they're another band where they're uh catalog of music I can tolerate at this point has shrunk significantly. Yeah, I think that Rush happens. Rush is, is more of a, an important band to me, I think, at this point still. Like, and, and that well, because was, it's really smart music. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of their early lyrics were kind of silly. Uh, but I think once they hit the 80s, and, and at least I understood what some of the lyrics were about, it, it spoke to me the same way. Uh, like when we talk about classic rock, the Beatles and the Stones, I, I love those bands. And the Kinks, but the Who were always the one that that like I related to more. I think, mm-hmm. especially Quadrophenia, uh, and that just well that whole alienation bleak. thing and, yeah. and being separate from yeah. uh, you know the group. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, the Beatles was more of like I just the music was good, and the Rolling Stones was always my fa- like just favorite of though all those bands. But that was more of also like the music and the lyrics to some degree. Yeah. But the who had the, the lyrics and the music and just the look and everything about them was, uh, was perfect for me. So, yeah. So let's talk about 
you know, your wish list going forward because you've hit almost everybody yeah. <laughs> um, in the first round. So, yeah. so who are some of the people that you want to, maybe you've already got irons in the fire or then, and then just, I want to hear some just completely <laughs> absolute wish list person. All right. Um, so my idea with, with guests on this show, especially if I wanted to do like bigger names, like, like if you think of a band like Fugazi, mm-hmm. Ian McKay's been interviewed a million. Like everyone knows everything about that fucking guy. I'd want to talk to Joe Lally, the bass yeah. player. Yeah. Like, okay. And know his deal. Uh, like uh, Roger from uh, Dag Nasty. I have a mutual friend with him, so I'm trying to get something together with him. Uh, and they're they're still playing. Uh, Kevin Seconds is another one that I'm working on. With uh, I'm going to be in California next month, but only for like brief periods in, yeah. in certain areas so i don't know how you know busy well we got to be able to make that happen yeah yeah, yeah. so and and uh, you know people do these on the phone but i definitely like to do them in person i think it's just best to do them in person but if i you know if someone said hey i can get you i'm trying to think of someone huge that <laughs> i'd want to talk to um first of I all i definitely think you should talk to more women yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I understand that it's difficult to find. Yeah. I mean, I know they're out there because I'm one of them, but um, <laughs> it it is it is inherently male because yeah, yeah. it has been, right. but it yeah, definitely yeah. doesn't need to be. I mean, yeah, yeah. you could talk to Kathy Valentine and get some stories out of her, even though she was in this iconic girl band. Like, right. you know, she's she's spent time with some incredible, I mean, she's an incredible musician anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So I'm just, uh, I, I, for my two cents, I definitely want you to talk to more women yeah, yeah. next year for okay. sure. Yeah. All right. So who's like the ultimate, if I could just wave a magic wand, uh, I think it would probably be Kevin Seconds. He's one of like the most important for me. Like, like with with hardcore music, when I think back to like bands that meant the most to me li- li- lyrically, anyway, uh, his was was probably the first because they were sort of the first band for me that hit. Uh, and this is seven seconds. Seven, yeah, seven okay. seconds that hit on uh, racism, sexism, which was never really addressed much in the in the punk. I scene. can't imagine why. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they had the great song, "Not Just Boys Fun," and yeah. And, uh, so they, you know, and he seems fun. to be tied to a lot of different things historically as well. So yeah, I think yeah, he'd course. be a great guy to talk yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, regardless of the other awesome stuff about yeah, him. Yeah. And then there's also a, a, this is more of like a shout out thing, but there's a new podcast. Well, it's about a year old as well uh, that I've been listening to called, uh, and this has literally been in my, I was listening to it on the way here. I'm almost caught up, but uh, it's called You Don't Know Mojack. And it's uh, two guys from Canada. So Mojack was a band, uh, Greg Ginn. Oh, Okay. For so. those that don't know, Greg Ginn, <laughs> Black Flag, SST Records. Right. Yeah. So these guys are uh, talking about SST Records, and they've literally started at SST1, which is uh, Black Flag Nervous Breakdown. Wow. And talking about every, they're going to talk about every 
released on SST Records. And SST Records is one of the last labels where back in the 90s, I know, I keep back in the <laughs> 90s, but you could, when somebody asked you what kind of music you were into, you right. could literally answer a label. Yeah, yeah. You would be like Twin Tone, right. SST, right. Sub Pop, Discord, like, yeah. and everything that they, and they curated yeah, this yeah. thing Some where music. it didn't matter, like they weren't out, it wasn't a for profit. Yeah. The thing, the great thing about SST was always one record, one one deal, one record, right? Yeah. So they weren't going to tie anybody to anything. Mm. But that gives you, you know, like early Soundgarden shit and, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff Sonic that, Youth, yeah, Dino I mean, Jr. yeah, the Dinosaur Jr. stuff. And, yeah. um, and so that is awesome that there's a podcast yeah. about that. No, these That's guys crazy. Are, they're great. They're, uh, so each episode, they talk about, you know, each release. Some of them they've had, uh, people that were related to it. I think they have Mike Watt on there and, uh, and they're Canadian, so they have Canadian hey. accents, and uh, <laughs> they just have a great rapport. And I, you know, so I, I love listening to those guys. And uh, so, well, you guys should go podcast together. I know. I was, I was gonna maybe see if one of them wants to come on here. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Well, this has been amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a little exhausted. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I feel like we've taken, uh, you know, a, a journey through your entire life. I know. This, this is, is your a... life, Christian Campagna. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of narcissistic title should I give this one? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's. I, I just love that you are this like renaissance man like you've you've touched all these different you know i i hate to bring up woody allen because again like used to be great now tainted can never go near it but the zelig thing the fact that you were part of like all the although you were actually an active part of all these different scenes and all these different aspects of the music business you've literally hit everything Except maybe you didn't manage bands, like no. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like yeah, that's true. kind of it. Yeah. You know, um, you've literally worked in record stores. You've worked at record companies. You've been on the stage. You've been in the pit. Um, it's it's uh, in the pit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in the pit. Are you punching people and yeah? knocking them over? Yeah, making girls hold my jacket. And shit, you know. <laughs> Even ones I don't know. Can you uh, hold my flight jacket? Oh my God, can I hold the flight jacket? <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I appreciate doing this and I hope it's not obnoxious to have myself. No, I mean, if anybody says anything, it was my idea <laughs> because I feel like, you know, you're just as important as the people you're interviewing. Thank you. And, yeah. and it's important to hear um, things that wouldn't naturally necessarily come out in a podcast because yeah, when yeah. you're interviewing, you're letting the subject do most right. of the talking. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, this is a this was an opportunity to hear more about you and how you know all these people and yeah. how you were able to score all these interviews yeah. and and um, and where it all comes from and yeah. it is talk about the passion and you have been passionate you were literally born into it I don't yeah. think you have much of a choice right. um, but it has stayed with you through your whole life yeah. you know so and and you know if the impetus to all of that is this <laughs> podcast it's pretty fucking great Thanks. I'm really proud of you thanks and it, it is hard work and it's been you know, I was initially wanted this to be a weekly thing, and uh, just the not the ang- part of the anxiety, and then just well, self care too. I mean, yeah. once a week is a lot of work. Yeah, because a lot of times I found myself I wanted to do these every Tuesday, and that was the thing I talked about because of records used to at least on Tuesday. And so I noticed that, was, that they're not really anymore. That that's not well, a when thing, they, right? Well, when they do come out there on Tuesdays, but never. There hasn't been every Tuesday. Well, that's because otherwise we would have had fifty-two episodes. 
so there's been uh yeah it's it's a lot of times i found myself finishing them at like monday i'm like at 11 30 because i wanted to get them at midnight and i'm still recording the intro and putting the music and all that stuff so so they are work and i'd rather put quality stuff out yeah. there rather than like rush through something and I'm, so i'm kind of trying to do them in chunks like right now i have this one that we're doing and then i have two more i'm recording in the next so yeah if someone's listening to this thing going wow he must really be running out of guests if he's uh interviewing himself no now, i think no. this was this was always intended <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be a celebration and an anniversary yeah. type of thing yeah. um and I think it is. And this cake that we're eating while we're doing this is fucking delicious, too. <laughs> so it's great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, doing this. and. Uh, well, thanks for being a good uh, subject. Thanks.